4: From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio.
5: Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer Paul, Mission
4: Control Deccant Most importantly, you are you. You are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. Uh, this is our. <laughs> this episode reminds me of the original Iron Chef. Do you guys remember the original Iron Chef? Our cuisine.
5: All our cuisine. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Which
4: is literally translates to go kitchen. Uh, yeah. So uh, every time. The, every, every time the chairman had a uh, it was introducing a theme ingredient, the chairman would have this um, this weird kind of vague speech about it. Which we're gonna skip because we're not Iron Chef, and then the host would a host would come in like the voiceover guy and extol the virtues of whatever this was, whether it was you know avocados, eels, or in this case eggs. So just to do that really quickly, ah, the humble egg. Look upon its simplicity. You'll discover brilliance. The shape evolved to withstand myriad pressures. The material inside a culinary Helen of Troy, a yolk that launched a thousand. Dishes, you know, and it goes on and on. I'm keeping it short because I know I want to make sure I don't bore you. Spot on, on. on, man. I mean, but eggs, right? We don't think about that. We've talked about them in the past. We talked about them on a um, previous, a couple previous segments, Um, and I think we're we we're not all on the same page about eggs, right? Or in the same nest about them. Like some of us love them, some of us take them or leave them, but they're they're fun
0: to cook, at least, right? And you can. Do them hundreds of ways. Yeah, I just saw an Instagram video on how you can cure egg yolks in hot sauce, and then you get this, like, hot sauce, jammy kind of solidified egg yolk you can spread on toast, which to some people would sound disgusting, but I was
5: intrigued. That sounds pretty gross to me. Uh, I would try (laughs) it.
0: You know what I mean? But I tried, like, the the Kool-Aid pickles, too, so... My bar is very low for what I'll turn away. Yeah. I think to some people, just any level of undercooked egg is is a red mm-hmm. flag. And I mean, there's good precedent for that. You know, we always heard of salmonella. But yet somehow we've kind of gotten past that where undercooked eggs are like, OK, or are they? Well, it also depends on people. People would say it depends on the
4: quality of the egg, the uh, way in which it was reared. And, you know, we're going to. We're going to touch on a lot of things that are going to be very familiar to people who raise their own eggs or work in uh, that particular aspect of factory farming, but may not be common knowledge to the average person, right? Like this, this is weird. It can, eggs can be an ingredient, they can be a side dish, they can be a main dish. Like you pointed out, you can do all sorts of interesting things with them, even if they're not tasty things. Uh, and now it shouldn't surprise us that eggs have become the source of not one, but several conspiracy theories. We're not talking about de-egg extinction. Uh, we're not talking like bring, bringing back, you know, dodo eggs. We're not talking about factory farming, which is a very real and horrific thing. We're talking about a different theory. It's something that a lot of our fellow conspiracy realists have asked us and reached out to uh, us about recently. Why are eggs suddenly so egg-spensive? Sorry for the puns. Does it get better? What's at the heart
0: of the great egg-spiracy? Et cetera, et cetera, and so forth. Here are the facts.
5: Yes. You have likely heard about this. It's being reported everywhere. There's something wrong with the chickens, or there's something wrong with the egg. Which one came first? It's the immortal question. (laughs) It's true. Um, That's because eggs are in
0: everything or in a lot of things, you know, as like a binding agent, you know, they're in cakes to help kind of, you know, solidify the mixture and all of that stuff and help it rise and all of that. They're absolutely ubiquitous. Just about everyone has at least at some point in their life uh, tried an egg. Um, So we all pretty much know what we're talking about here, culinarily speaking
4: hmm Yeah, we don't need to spend time explaining what eggs are. But if you, you got this far in your life to where you you listen to a show like this and you've never heard the idea of an egg, honestly, congratulations. I don't know how you min-max your stats into that one, but that's amazing. Uh, like, like you said, no, uh, eggs are ubiquitous. Um, most people— probably even before they make a um, conscious dietary decision, like I will be vegan or I will, you know, uh, not consume eggs somehow. You probably ate one in childhood or it was definitely an ingredient and egg prices are getting, Paul, we might need some womp womps on this egg stream. Uh, It's so weird for about 40 years in the United States, egg prices have been relatively stable that meant that supply and demand had kind of been in sync, just like a boy band. And they were also um, one of the most reliably cheap foods or inexpensive things you could buy at the grocery store. You have a family, you need protein, but you can't afford, um, you know, you can't afford ad- like meat, beef, or chicken, or whatever. You can't buy the chicken, but you can probably swing the cost of of the eggs if you don't want to eat beans, another no, you're protein right. source.
5: And and over over the history, even since we've been alive, we've seen egg prices fluctuate a couple times, but usually it's something within the the larger, bigger picture, the environment that affects the price of the eggs, like when there's a large avian flu outbreak, where you know. Hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of chickens are affected and have to be either killed you know by these larger factory farms that provide so many of the eggs that we that we consume across the world, especially in the United States um, or if there's a, some other environmental factor affecting probably the chickens and not so much the eggs yeah because and that could be
0: something like avian flu, right yeah, I mean the, and the egg certainly got its uh, own picture on the old food pyramid. Um, it is, has it definitely been considered since, as we know, the impetus for that whole food pyramid thing came from kind of economic hardship and the idea of what is the most affordable food. So eggs have long been a staple food, uh, because of their, uh, relative affordability, like you said, Matt. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. And this, this also comes with a high nutritional value. Right now, sometimes, especially in the United States, it can be tough to get past the spin of different trade groups where when when we're talking about how good or bad an actual food stuff is for you, like it it might sound weird if you're not from the U.S., but here in the United States, you will you will see commercials that are not for a specific brand of anything. They're for the An idea of something they're like oh just milk you know someone's just like hey you got milk and that was a whole thing and it was just celebrities with milk mustaches no one questioned it do you remember
0: the egg song Is i love eggs from my head down to my legs scrambled or fried with some bacon on the
1: side i love eggs
0: that was a thing i love frazier don't know what to do with that. Toss salad and scrambled. Who eats toss salad and scrambled eggs at the same time?
4: That's weird. The reason that theme song is tossed salad and scrambled eggs is because um I think the producers or the legal department
0: would not allow the theme song to be about mental health. Ah. But still, I mean, only people with mental health problems eat tossed salad and scrambled eggs. <laughs> Maybe
5: that's the other <laughs> caller. <it> again... <laughs> <laughs> i just remember the other white meat yeah that was pork big right? pork I yeah think. i think that's right
4: yeah it is so it's to me it's so funny i love the idea like that's such a uh
0: um, The also ran of meats yeah
4: right that's such a whimsical billionaire thing to do just say i'm going to take out a ton of it's actually on my list of things to do as a weird billionaire is to take out a ton of ads for something that doesn't specifically sell anything it's just the idea you know what i mean like have the goodyear blimp flying over a stadium and the trailer thing at the end of it just says tacos are okay three out of five you know what i mean (laughs) is are forever there we go we'll take oh diamonds check out our diamond episode yeah this um okay i think all, all of us love food episodes and you know whether you love eggs or whether you don't eat them due to like health concerns or due to um, moral concerns or whether you're like, I am, you know, the, uh, <laughs> I am the epitome of the, uh, of the egg eating human. You know that they do have some advantages and they've been around for a long time. They got nutritional advantages, a lot of bang for your buck energy wise. And, and, They, This has been the case for so long, decades and decades and decades, that eggs have become a key part of cocktail economics, right? Dinner table economics, they will call it. When you hear economists talking about stuff like the price of a loaf of bread and, you know, a jug of milk and a dozen eggs, they're usually... Again, here in the States, they're usually quoting the Bureau of Labor Statistics, which talks about something called the Consumer Price
0: Index, or CPI. Which is a good measure of inflation, or one of the the most at least understandable and bandied about measures of inflation.
5: It's really inter- interesting. To me, the CPI is basically, what do you need to bake a simple cake? And what are the prices of all those things? Uh, Weird to think about it. That's just the way I see it in my head. Uh, But, yeah, the CPI is something we could go super deep into if we wanted to. Guys, do we want to do that today? Might be another bag of badgers, honestly, Matt. It feels like a different episode. (laughs)
4: How
0: how is the price of badgers faring these days, Uh, if I may be so bold?
4: They're solid investment. You know, uh, zoologists are calling them the first crypto.
0: Nice. (laughs) Crypto zoologists.
5: Yes. 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 You got it. (laughs) You got it. All right. Well, let's talk. Let's really let's talk about how much it costs to buy some eggs right now, because I joked a while ago. I can't remember the name of the episode, but I joked about how the price of eggs were just fine. Everything's fine with the price of eggs. And it was like, I want to say end of last year. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Whoops. <laughs> I mean, how much could so an egg cost? A hundred dollars? was like, you at know? least eggs aren't expensive.
4: It's an egg, Michael. Uh, so in yeah, in 1980, the price of a dozen eggs. Wait, let's step back for a second. First, you need to know that things are different from how they were in the 1980s in the egg world. Not all eggs are created equal. You know what I mean? Like you can now, if you have the gumption and the means, you could buy an ostrich egg, which is a very weird flex. But, you know, you do you. You can you can also see all kinds of organic or um, free range or pasture raised Eggs, uh, it's very, very different stuff. Eggs that you don't have to refrigerate because they still have their their covering, their casing on. Them.
0: Yeah, I mean the eggs that you get farm fresh. You don't have to refrigerate, like like we actually have in my house a nice little like um, uh, what's it called ceramic egg holder, and my my partner gets uh, fresh eggs from from a friend, and we will just leave them out, and that's a thing. I like used to see that a lot more in the olden days, you know, people leaving like butter out on the counter, and also you know eggs.
4: Mm-hmm. And so we're gonna get to, I think we're gonna get to some of the. Existential differences Ooh. between different types of eggs. I'm telling you, it doesn't get better, Paul. You're gonna have to. You might have uh, worn off the keys on the womp womp button here, but in in 1980, we know that if you were buying a dozen large grade A eggs, as rated by the USDA, uh, then in most cities that would that would run you about eighty four cents. Can
0: I ask you, Ben, What, where do all the grade B, C, and D eggs go? Do those go down the bad egg chute like on Willy Wonka? <laughs> like a... uh, but, I mean, you know, the, the implication is that there are other grades of eggs, and are those perhaps used as ingredients and not sold on their own, like in pre-made stuff? Is this something we should investigate? I want to know where all the, the, the sub-A eggs end up.
4: I think they go into um... – kind of secondary products. So like egg liquids maybe, or dried egg products. So they go to astronauts, sorry, astronauts, you got the crappy freeze dried eggs, but uh, thanks for being one of the best parts of humanity. (laughs) Uh, I think they're also the, the um, USDA has a, a way of rating eggs similar to Willy Wonka, where, you know, they got most of their ideas from, um, but, yeah, I think they go I, – I think it's rare that you would find, like, a dozen grade B eggs. And it's really good marketing to
0: walk into a store and say, well, I buy grade A. And, and you're spot on, Ben. They do go into liquid eggs, which is referred to as breaking stock, and also for baking, pre-made baking uh, mixes and, and stuff like that. Or more assembly line baking kind of situations, like uh, pre-made cakes and cookies and stuff like that. So they're not like bad. They just have thinner whites and less symmetrical yolks, but they're not, there's nothing wrong with them. They just aren't as pretty. We've got to stop body shaming eggs. I did not approve. Oh, uh, I also just want to add, but you know, speaking of all the varieties of eggs, you eat, even in some regular grocery stores you can buy like quail eggs or duck eggs. Oh, love them! Yeah, and they are really yummy and interesting. You know, uh, for things like tartars and stuff like that. But you are seeing them more often, not just in specialty stores. I found that kind of interesting.
4: Yeah. Again, it's it's a different world from the '80s, right? Uh, and If you fast forward to 2000, you'll see the exact same garden variety dozen grade A eggs now cost 91 cents. So they've gone up seven cents. And, you know, for a lot of people, especially in 2023, you would say seven cents. When's the last time I had, I even like held a nickel and two pennies in my hand. Why do we even still make pennies? You know, which is a great question.
0: Uh, so that businessmen can use them for power moves on their, uh, <laughs> right. their nemesis. That's
5: why <laughs> right. the ass pennies. But but let's talk about that. So we're talking about the the average price from 1980 to 2000, right? And that doesn't mean that th- that was just the price the whole time, and it just rose a little bit to get up to that uh, ninety one cent. Number, the price fluctuated, right? And you just imagine it like a little wave that's going along, the price of eggs, just depending on what's going on. So the price of eggs between 1980 and 2000 hit a high of $1.32 and a low of $0.68. So that's that whole supply-demand thing kind of giving, pushing, and uh, moving around a bit until you end up with that average of $0.91.
4: Yeah, yeah. So there would so there were similar conversations to be clear. Between nineteen eighty and two thousand, like in that twenty year inter interval, there were conversations where people were being, if you'll pardon me, a little bit chicken little about the price of eggs, and they would hit, you know, this high of a dollar thirty-two, and people would say, What does this mean? You know what I mean? The end is nigh. Let's look at another. Like we have to take the long view with this. So, 2000 to 2015, the price of those eggs again, not the fancy eggs, not not the fancy eggs with the nice drawings on the on the packaging and all that. Um, all that these jazz. are the
5: Kroger white grade A eggs,
4: right? With with the the like styrene containers mm-hmm. that are going to outlive civilization. Yes. So I I love thinking about that. So um, those eggs continue to increase in price. And over time, steadily, we're looking at a rise, not just sort of a, you know, like a up and down graph, like a heartbeat. Uh, They they go from 91 cents in 2000 to $2.97 in September of 2015. And to your earlier uh, point, Matt, that's when another variable intervened: avian flu, a bird flu outbreak. Right? Oh man, no, no one knew how COVID nineteen would impact the world.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's right. Know, comparatively, a much uh, less substantial flu, but not to diminish. You know, people died from avian flu. You know, there were definitely fatalities, and also it certainly put a hitch in in some economics as well with the
5: sole egg situation and you may remember that outbreak i believe is it h5n2 i know right. that was being talked about in 2014 i can't remember if that was the 2015 outbreak
4: it's a deep cut yeah h5 N2. uh this was found throughout the midwest u.s in um chicken and turkey farms
5: mm. Wow, Meadows, really excited about that. Yeah. Okay. Jeez, dogs I, love birds. Eggs. No, leave it in, Paul. Please oh, leave it in. No, so it's staying. <laughs> it's staying. Um, but, but we're going to get into it today because avian flus are very common. Unfortunately mm-hmm. common. There are outbreaks, not on a yearly basis necessarily, but I, I don't know. I, I I can't put a number to it because I wouldn't be accurate. But I'd say on an average of like every five years, you hear about a major avian flu outbreak of some sort. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, and part of that goes into, you know, uh, factory farming um, practices, right? Like the, the, the closeness, the, the constant over-medication. I mean, the, the way creatures are
0: bred, it's, it, it's really gross. And don't they, don't they feed them with, like, crushed up eggs? shells as well doesn't that go into the it's happened yeah and that's bad i think in terms of long you know long-term health effects you know to the birds
5: let's get these birds prions no i'm sure
0: (laughs) so prices remain stable then
4: but they're at a new normal the days of 80 uh 84 cents Egg cartons are gone and prices are stable. But there's another bird flu outbreak, like you alluded to, Matt, in 2018. Uh, There's another peak in 2020 due to the COVID pandemic. But a few years ago, everything seemed to change. October of 2022, the average price of a dozen eggs in U.S. cities hit $3.42 nationally and in some places people saw a dozen eggs cost four dollars or more so this is the kind of thing that would even give patrick bateman from american psycho a pause you know he probably had someone go to the grocery store
0: but even even he would have thought that's a lot Yeah, I I kind of imagine Patrick Bateman maybe being in the same boat as uh, Lucille Bluth, maybe having zero idea how much anything costs outside of like a Rolex, you know, or a Rolls-Royce. But yeah, I mean, it's a lot, but my mind immediately does also say three bucks for something that's relatively stable and lasts you quite a long time isn't like insane, but maybe that's me speaking out of school. I I don't know. I mean, it, it really is more the sticker shock of the rise but not necessarily the actual number because, you know, I buy a dozen eggs. It'll last me easily a week, if not more. I sometimes worry that I'll, I'll, I will have eggs in my fridge that have gone bad because I don't use them enough. So I'll sometimes just buy half a dozen
5: eggs.
4: Yep, that's a move. I do that too. I'm right there with you guys because I I don't personally uh, – I mean, I'm a, uh, I'll eat pretty much – Anything, but I don't personally love eggs, which I think is why I'm good at cooking them. I have sort of this dispassionate objectivity, uh, so I'll
0: do a Gordon Ramsay move with it. But you can admire their versatility. Well, that's a good yeah. No, it's a good way to check someone's culinary chops is to to get them to scramble some eggs or make a quick omelet. And if they can't do that and they overcook them or make them rubbery, then they're they're <laughs> <shit>. they're <laughs> chefs. <laughs> I I've eaten some of the uh the
4: best eggs of my uh life quite recently. But you know how it is like okay, you go to a function and and someone says, Oh, and there's an omelet bar. That's always a disappointment to me. It's like, really? I could have eaten before I came. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, what am I gonna do? With his omelet at 7.30 p.m., I think, whatever. I think, whatever. I think
0: the omelet bar flex is just that you have a human who's there to cater to your every omelet whim. You want some mushrooms in it, uh, some parma ham perhaps, you know? Yeah, the world is your omelet. And I'm like,
4: can, I just, can you just give me a plate like, with some ham and just throw the mushrooms on it, man? I'm not, I'm not trying to you know, hassle you here. I will Shoot. tip you.
5: I don't <laughs> want your cordyceps. Get out of here. Just give me the eggs.
0: (laughs) Really quickly, you mentioned Cordyceps. I just heard an ad for some sort of mushroomy supplement product, Mm -hmm. and they very proudly advertised that Cordyceps were one of them. I don't think they got the memo about The Last of Us. Uh, I wonder if that company is doing damage control. And they're like, please do not mention Cordyceps. Do not mention The Last of Us in the same breath as our product.
5: You got to get your body used to them
0: now. So
4: like Ah when when you get introduced to them later, see, Mm -hmm. see. Like mm-hmm. like the dread pirate Roberts and Princess Bride, like accumulate uh, or acquire a tolerance. But also also, you know what? I'm gonna say this since I was I was giving eggs a hard time. Um maybe Last of Us is a lot of anti-cordyceps propaganda. Because what, like, look, humans are really crap in the bed, uh, so what what if there were, were some sort of fungal hive mind that was a little bit more civilized, you know? Like, that wasn't all rampaging, zombie, ever-expanding kind of thing, you know what I mean? Like, what if it just, like, takes over one country and then is like, hey, also,
5: I invented, you know, plausible fusion and space power. The reason why cordyceps doesn't work in humans is because of our temperature, okay? Is that it? There's been recent reporting in major news outlets about how fungus is starting to be able, certain types of fungus, certain species, are now able to live in warmer environments. And that's the whole thing we talked about recently on Strange News, about how fungus is spreading in the soil and to different places where it shouldn't be. Guys, it's coming. Are you saying there's fungus among us? Yes. And it will be inside us and in our mouths. And when we go in to kiss people, it's going to come out of our mouths wiggle, wiggle, and go wiggle. into their mouth. Yeah.
4: <laughs> Tight. All right. You know, no, j- <laughs> I'm not here to kink shame. Uh, so <laughs> the uh, there's also uh, just talking about fungal intelligence or not quite, but related, you know, this stuff is so intelligent. Slime mold in this amazing experiment was uh, just dropped into a... Uh, a system with no connecting dots and it recreated the most efficient way to connect those dots, which was Japan's rail system. Mm -hmm. Like it just, it just figured it out. And it doesn't have a brain or anything like a brain. Yeah, it's amazing. It's got I can't greater than a brain. It's a hive mind. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Forward to the future, and and so anyway, that's our discursion there. Let's talk more about cordyceps in the future too. It
5: took a little excursion into cordyceps. Uh, yes, yes.
4: One of us. Uh, so, <laughs> I mean, look, it's still it's historically shocking, right? When when you see from. This span of 40 years, you see this stability all of a sudden go out the window. Why are eggs incredibly expensive? Uh, In December of last year, the Bureau of Labor Statistics found egg prices had jumped by 49% in just one year, October to October. And then uh, found another statistic from Statistica that looked at December to December and found Egg prices rose by 60%. So whatever uh, acceleration is happening is happening such that it's gaining speed between October, November, December. And so there's kind of – you know how like oil has different grades and there are different ways to rate average oil prices? Futures, right? Right futures yeah and the the idea of like sweet crude versus you know other stuff that's not as cool not as sweet definitely not as sweet but just as crude uh there are there's something like that in the world of eggs midwest large eggs are sort are, are kind of the the benchmark for eggs sold you know by the dozen in shells and they hit $5.46 per dozen meaning that you could buy uh you know you could buy a king's ransom of eggs in the nineteen eighties for for what one dozen would cost you today, even adjusting for inflation, pandemic supply chains, bird flu, etc. This was unexpected sorry moving on uh so here we are here we are i know we're going along with the setup but this is worth it in the past few weeks uh there have been tons and tons of social media posts including viral tiktok videos that have claimed to discover a genuine vast conspiracy to raise the price of eggs or eliminate consumers ability to create eggs on their own uh and they've accused everyone from huge food companies to, of course, can, uh, oh, to big pharma and to, of course, uh, reigning conspiracy king Bill Gates.
0: Uh, <laughs> I didn't know of, he of held pl- that title
4: play with. Well, he holds that title on our show sure now, knows, as enough. of now. Okay. Right. Um, we, <laughs> if you have a better title for Bill Gates, please let us know. Um, uh, Conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. But that, that's our question today. Could there be more to the story than the good old economic conspiracy of supply and demand? Which I posit is a conspiracy.
0: We'll, we'll talk about that and more after a quick word from our sponsor, Big Egg. $25 each.
5: Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now.
3: I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, the Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. It's
1: just a shame, you know, that they took him from us
3: I thought they were going
0: to kill me. So I kept my mouth shut and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say
3: anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For.
5: We're back.
0: I love the idea of big egg. Oh yeah. It's the biggest the biggest of egg. The dodo egg. You know, great reason like Matt, you, I gave you a hard time for it, but yeah, let's bring back the dodos. We can we can we can end world hunger.
5: With those giant honking eggs. Can you imagine? If you just had a couple of dodos giant egg, that's all you need. It's all you need for the whole week. It was One a joke in the Flintstones for sure giant dodo eggs in the
0: flintstones yeah here's where it gets crazy all right there is
4: mainstream theories uh conspiracy theories you could call them about eggs uh one of the what one of the main proponents of this is a fox news correspondent and the heir to the swanson food empire tucker carlson uh tucker carlson blames the Biden administration and says the mass media, apparently everyone except for Fox news uh, is ignoring this. And and I didn't want us to, to misquote the guy. So went ahead and pulled like an excerpt, kind of the thesis statement of what he's been saying on his program. Uh, Here's what he says about, Uh, He he says the problem is with the chicken feed, and he's basing,
0: I think, a lot of his claims on those uh, social media posts we mentioned. He says some of them, some chicken farmers have noticed something odd. Their chickens aren't laying eggs or as many eggs. And these chickens don't appear sick with avian flu. They're not dying. They're still alive. They're just not producing eggs. Now, healthy hens lay eggs on a regular basis every 24 to 26 hours. But suddenly, chicken owners all over the country, not all of them, but a lot of them, uh, are reporting they're not getting any eggs or as many. So what's causing that? Clearly, something is causing that. Some have concluded their chicken feed may be responsible. Some have. Right. <laughs> uh, so
5: some. Well, it's weird because in some to people my mind, say, yeah,
4: mm-hmm.
5: well, to my mind, that's exactly what's happening. Right. And I don't know. I'm I was trying to picture how else I would say that, because when you look at those social media videos, it's not every account that has chickens and egg laying chickens. But it is some of them. Yeah. <laughs> so would you say a few? Uh, but it's more than a few. I don't know. It was just weird because I, you know, like a, disagree with tucker carlson on many many most things and dislike the way he presents things but i was like oh this feels right to me
4: but just and again you know that's part of critical thought right you if, if you have disagreed with someone in the past it doesn't mean you should automatically throw out whatever else they're saying there's a reason people there's a reason broken clocks are right twice a day, right. To use the old, um, <laughs> to use the, the old figure of speech here at old chestnut. Did, yeah. what did the poet WS Merwin say a quotation is a, um, a quotation is a good substitute for wit or something like that. I mean, so I'm aware of the danger of those kind of cliches, but yeah, it's, it's a really important point, Matt. And I, I don't know the better way to say it either. Uh, but Carlson does a couple of things. He also brings up a recent fire in Connecticut where a number of chickens died, right? And the number of chickens varies, but it was a lot of birds. And he says, hey, it's it's strange that me, other media companies don't cover this. They don't think it's a story at all. And this reminded me immediately of the allegations that there was a coordinated attack on the U.S. food supply infrastructure. We did a pretty, pretty dope piece on this that has yet to make it out into the public. Um, Well, we can't really spoil it, but hopefully it gets there one day. And then, you know, side note, if you're looking for coordinated infrastructure attacks, you should be more worried about your local power grid because that's where people are going to go right it's it's way easier than getting into the water or waste treatment plant, and it's not as um mouse trappy and complicated as attacking the food the
5: food grid but well, why not just attack the feed grid?
4: there we go, ding 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 yes, okay, so there's that this is the biggest theory, and this is what um pundits like Carlson are referring to the dominant version of this theory, which I know makes it sound like a strain of COVID, but whatever, is basically the gist is this. Large food manufacturers have conspired to make consumer owned chickens incapable of laying eggs by putting some nefarious dodgy stuff in the chicken feed forcing those people to buy eggs from the grocery store while increasing the price of eggs with the goal of ensuring higher profits and making the overall population increasingly less self-sufficient in general.
5: Yeah. The the concept here for me is to target any operation that buys feed of in smaller amounts than what the absolute largest amount of feed you can buy would be for these these huge factory farm operations, right? So you target any and this is this is me theorizing about the theory, okay? This is not Matt saying things that are absolutely true or proven. I think the conspiracy theory here is to target anyone that is lower than a large farm.
4: Right. Yeah, that's mm. nailed it because why would they target themselves? Right is Mm -hmm. the idea. So the idea would be, for for this to be true, then there would have to be some other feed that is not sold on the market that is kept internal that only only the um, culprits use. And this this has gone everywhere of places like TikTok. uh, Personally, or I would say largely, because in my opinion, at least. It's got something really clever. It's based in a true conspiracy. There are not really that many food manufacturers. Uh, What seems to be a diverse marketplace full of of thousands of competing brands is really, when you think about it, it's kind of a theater played out
0: for you every time you visit the grocery store. Yeah, it's packaged, you know, and, and, and sold to you as something different, but it's all kind of coming from just a handful of places. A hundred percent.
4: It's a. If we want to make another uh, another dated reference, uh, it's like that movie, or it's like the uh, recent uh, reboot of Nutty Professor, where the main cast is all played by Eddie Murphy. Right? It looks. Is like, that it,
5: recent? I mean, it, I mean, it's recent 20, compared to the years. original <laughs> fair, Nutty <laughs> Professor. Fair,
4: fair,
0: fair, 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 fair. Is that Flubber? Nutty yeah, Professor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then Flubber, there was also the Robin Williams one,
4: which is called Flubber. Oh my gosh, uh, Eddie Murphy's Nutty Professor came out in 1996. Uh, yeah. Wow. Okay. Wait, no, <laughs> time no, isn't no. real. No, it's an illusion. And the first week back out when na-
5: eggs were only 91 <laughs> cents a dozen.
4: <laughs> as sure, as
5: eggs
0: as eggs. The Nutty Professor movie starring Eddie Murphy came out in 1996. The Year and it was based Lord. on. 1963,
4: uh, Nutty Professor. Okay, cool. We have sorted that out. That's the burning question that made everybody listen to this episode. They were (laughs) like, I know it says eggs in the title, but they're going
0: to get to the Nutty Professor. I trust these guys. And if you want to feel really old and weird and how time is ephemeral, the distance between that original version and the Eddie Murphy version isn't that far off between the distance from the Eddie Murphy version and now.
5: (laughs) Wow, yeah. Don't forget about the clumps, guys.
4: Yeah. So there's this idea that just a few companies own a load of stuff and they're not really transparent about it. That's real. That is not a theory. That is a genuine conspiracy. And it is enacted upon you every time you go to a grocery store or your local bodega. But let's start there. Who manufactures chicken feed then? There's one TikTok uh, account in particular that went viral about the chicken feed conspiracy that several of our fellow conspiracy realists sent in. As a matter of fact, I think uh, some of us sent in several different takes on this. And and Matt um, and Noel, I think we all we all watched some of these. Uh, And they have variations, but the variations on a theme Um, in, in one in particular that I saw pretty frequently. We've got a host with her own chickens who claims her crew has stopped laying eggs and voices concern that large companies might be putting something in the feed to prevent the hens from laying from going back to laying eggs. Uh, and then this host goes on to trace the shell of companies and brands that produce the feed she's been getting for her chickens, going from Purina Mills to Land Lakes to Cal Maine Foods and so on. The tracing of the, these companies is largely correct.
5: Yes, ex- until you get to the Purinas of it all, because I know there's like multiple companies within Purina, and there's one that one that deals with cat and dog food, and then Purina that's specifically for large-scale animal feed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah.
4: The, uh, the Purina Mills is, the, um, is that feed thing. Uh, regular old Purina is owned by Nestle, not Land Lakes. Both of them originate <laughs> from a company <laughs> called Ralston Purina <laughs> back in the 1800s. This is how they get you. You know what I mean?
5: <laughs> Is that, I don't get it. All I just of which thought, oh, are owned oh, by oh. the
4: Shineheart Wig Company. <laughs> All of
5: which are, of course, owned by uh, Shineheart Porcelain Wigs. Yes. I, and Ben, I would agree. That's, that's one of the primary, uh, let's say, styles of videos that we've seen, that one in particular. But then a lot of them are, as you said, just somebody who has chickens, usually a small flock that they use to grow their own eggs. And the most common thing I've heard been is uh the chicken just stopped laying eggs a while back. We just haven't gotten an egg since, you know, this X time, right? And we switched the feed last week or yesterday or whatever time ago, they switched the feed. Now our chickens are laying eggs. And then here and then usually here's an example of what the new feed looks like that we now created our house rather than the store-bought kind. That's the one I've seen.
4: Right. Yeah, I I've, I've seen that um I almost want to call it a genre now. I've seen that mm-hmm. that as well, uh, where someone is saying, I'm not going to give you a grand conspiracy necessarily, but here's what's happening in my neck of the woods, which is totally awesome, super valid stuff. But if we want to play along at home with this idea of a evil company conspiracy, let's go bigger. Because one thing a lot of these videos don't mention is that they're, of the top 10 animal feed manufacturers in the world, only three are based in the United States. Number one is called CP Group. They're out of Thailand. Number two is New Hope Lihue, uh, which is out of China. And number three is Cargill, which is out of the U.S. And they're another company that owns tons and tons of stuff. Purina is only number four. Meaning that if you are buying animal feed in the United States, statistically, you're more likely to be buying it from Cargill.
5: Right. Unless you shop at one of these stores, uh, there's several around here where, where I'm living right now, guys, that specialize in feed. And I took a little walk through there, and Purina was one of the primary brands, at least on display, I noticed there. Okay. Yeah. Cause it might be
4: like a Pepsi Coke thing. There might be kind of a, a soft regional monopoly. Right.
5: Well, uh, and I'm especially thinking if you're buying enough feed for a small flock of chickens at your home, right? Out right. In the you're country not a commercial somewhere.
4: farmer. Yeah. Yeah.
5: You don't got to buy the giant barrels of it. You just, you know, buy enough to feed your chickens for a couple of weeks.
4: Yeah. And that's I mean, I think that's a that's a great point, because, again, a lot of this goes back to the divide between commercial manufacturers and people at home who want to be maybe in their mind a little more healthy or a little more self-sufficient, both of which are absolutely admirable goals. Uh, But we've got to drill down into the way things are versus the way things are portrayed. Right. On both both sides of this argument the folks who are saying everything is uh dire and disastrous and the folks who are saying everything's fine don't look behind the curtain don't check behind the hen house keep walking yeah so with that we're gonna take a break to hear from our pals at big egg
0: and then we'll be back each.
5: Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert
0: Week to buy now.
3: I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, the Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy
1: Halpert. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us
3: I thought they were
0: going to kill me. So I kept my mouth shut and I didn't say anything. All
1: these years, I didn't say
3: anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV True Crime Podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For.
1: and
4: we have returned so one of the things that we we laid out here is that despite the way it might be portrayed in some of these videos or some of these reports again with the best of intentions Purina and its ultimate owners are not the largest outfits on the block Uh, at this point stories of switching from one feed to another to encourage Laying of eggs, they seem really good, right? and they they seem positive. They end on an inspirational or cautionary note, which is a a, a really good kind of uh it's like a good mouth feel for your mind. Uh, well, and they end with a
5: cta often. Yes. Uh, Like, here's something you can do, right? Right. Which popularizes them. You want to share it. Hey, do you have, do you know anybody that has chickens? You should watch this. So people are, and heck, I mean, even
0: like dog and cat food, there's different kinds that are like, you know, shiny coat or whatever it might be. And maybe if your dog is, by the way, Matt, you you recommended uh, uh, fish oil for preventing dog shedding. And let me tell you, buddy, we've been using that on our geriatric dog, Jude, and the shedding has almost disappeared. It's kind of miraculous. So the uh, uh, Day thanks you for that, as do I. Um, big win there. But again, you see these different varieties of ca- of animal feed um, for various dietary reasons, perhaps uh, sensitive stomach and things like that. So why wouldn't that be the case with, with chickens to, you know, encourage certain um, digestive behaviors or perhaps uh, better egg-laying
5: practices? Well, this is what I'm finding right now, guys. Uh, Whole grain feed. I'm seeing mash. I'm seeing pellets. I'm seeing crumbles. And I know nothing about actual chicken feed and what it looks like or what's inside of it. But I went to, uh, what is this? Mm Backyardchickencoops.com.
4: You can also go to trade groups like the American Feed Industry Association or if yeah, uh to learn more about various types of livestock feed, and no, I, I believe you are to a degree correct. Now, I I wasn't in the fish oil conversations. So I I don't know about that, but I do know that um, yeah, there will be different there, there are different varieties of feed that are not just based on shape but also based on on content right and that's a big thing that people are doing with their homemade feed is they're excising the ingredients that they feel may be nefarious
5: yeah absolutely it's content and the stage that your chickens are at are yes. they chicks did you buy a bunch of chicks and they're growing or do you have new chicks that are growing there's a feed for that do you have chicks that are trying to lay eggs there's a feed for that, and I think that is the feed that most people are focusing on, the uh, layer feed, like as in chicken-egg layer feed. Mm,
4: yeah, and this, look, uh, the other thing is that these videos don't have, they typically do not include the controls you would expect in an experiment, right? The And when we say controls, that means what you want to do is make sure that everything about a situation is the same except for the one thing you want to test the one variable you want to futs with and that variable would be the feed or ingredients in the feed but we don't see all these things being controlled for in a lot of these videos and the tricky part there is that Decrease in egg output can be inf- affected or infected by all sorts of stuff. Bad nutrition, right? That's, that's feed relate- related, but also temperature can affect whether or not a uh, chicken will lay an egg. Parasites, viruses, stress on the chicken can also influence things. Um, there could be hormonal changes, which again could be food related. Uh, then there's the idea of we should hear from some more people. I know we've got a lot of uh, fellow conspiracy realists who own chickens, so let's hear your stories, folks. What what you think about this? Because we're going to shift what you think about the feed because we're going to shift to another thing, it's a little more out there. Big Pharma and the COVID cure, which is a great name for a southern rock band, but also a totally, other, a totally different branch of uh, chicken theory. There's the idea that powerful... Okay, let me just set up the goalpost here. Uh, there's this idea that, one, eggs provide a natural protection from coronavirus. So this theory accepts that COVID is real. Uh, two, powerful pharmaceutical interests are purposely pushing eggs off of grocery shelves Disincentivizing people from buying them because they don't want folks to know that eggs can cure coronavirus. Those are the basics. What do we think?
5: Um, okay. So, what do we know about eggs preventing coronavirus? I have not, that's new to me.
4: Yeah, it's, it's new. Uh, it, it's new to me as well. Uh, and it's not true, is the issue. Oh this is conclusively there's no sand to it
5: well but <laughs> well then we got a problem here already
4: <laughs> yeah yeah it's 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 a tough it's a tall milkshake right um, and if we we're wrong If there is solid proof that eggs prevent coronavirus, then please, please do reach out and touch space, you know, uh, and let us let us know. Touch grass. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Uh, Touch wood, as they used to say back in the day for superstition. Reach out
5: and touch eggs.
0: (laughs)
4: Smooth as eggs.
5: Smooth as
0: eggs.
4: Oh, your own personal quiches. Right? Whoa. No, that's oh, close enough. That's the enough. best
0: one. That's the winner.
4: And here's another another kind of out there theory. The idea, this is related to coronavirus as well, which is why we're grouping them together. The idea that uh, chicken feed is being adulterated, contaminated, injected with mRNA such that it is altering the nature of the chickens who consume it such that they no longer create eggs. So this has a lot in common with the idea that um, co- COVID-19 uh, vaccines would alter the, um, the genetic makeup of people who got vaccinated.
5: Hmm. <laughs> right? So we were Moderna vaxing the chickens through their feed somehow. Yes.
4: Because that's the most direct way to affect things. Cool. There's absolutely nothing that could go wrong. Uh, uh, Like Mitchell and Webb say in their conspiracy theory um, sketches, what we're
5: looking at is a watertight hit. Um, (laughs) Guys, avian flu is on the rise. It's a real problem right now. How are we going to get this mRNA in these chickens?
4: (laughs) Well, first we need to make a virus. (laughs) So it's like, go on. (laughs) Well, it's a virus for humans is the thing.
5: (laughs) Ah, then we can test out our new vaccine technology, which includes gene therapy Mm -hmm. on the humans first,
4: because as we know, the ruling class of chickens will, of course, never consent to experimenting on chickens first. (laughs) That's right.
5: That's right. <laughs> okay.
4: Okay. Well, we solved it. Uh, this is where, all right. So these things are all in the air. And of course, anytime mRNA RNA is brought up in a conspiratorial tone, Bill Gates gets mentioned, right? And the idea is that he has somehow participated in this, the evidence pointing to him being pr- related. Uh, all goes back to stuff that we explore in our books, stuff. They don't want you to know, uh, we did find a <laughs> – we did find something funny. Uh, we mentioned AFIA, or AFIA, American Feed Industry Association. They got so heated up about all this stuff that they wrote a blog post just a few days before we recorded this, and the title sounds so irritated because it's, like, it's in all caps oh, yeah. on the website. Yeah.
0: No! There isn't a conspiracy around chicken feed and reduced egg production, you fools.
5: Well, uh, yeah, according to you, Victoria. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just joking. <laughs> just joking.
0: I, uh, I editorialized the you fools bit, but it's implied heavily. It is
5: implied. Yeah. Guys, I honestly don't know enough about this stuff. Like, I, I'm sorry. I'm going back over this concept of, of mRNA somehow getting into feed, like as ribonucleic acid in the feed I don't know enough about gene therapy. I don't know enough about how it functions when you shoot it into your arm with the Moderna vaccine and your your body changes to manufacture the stuff to prevent you from getting sick from coronavirus. How could that same type of substance work through the digestive tract? I just don't understand. Yeah. How is it even possible? Also, to what end? Is this, you know, that's
0: usually the question that I ask first with a lot of these conspiracy, th- and I think we all do, is what, what's the point? What is this uh, meant to accomplish? It's just sort of cool to have secrets. I'm, just, I'm plagiarizing Mitchell and Webb
4: there. No, no, it's a great question. Like, to what end, right? Uh, what, why are we doing this? The RNA thing, maybe we can field some of the questions here, Matt. The RNA thing comes from... Comes from social media. There's no, there's no scholarly paper on it. At least, not that I could find. There was no uh, substantive study. Uh, what I did see was a, a lot of uh, TikTok stuff, a lot of Facebook videos, uh, where people are claiming that. Quote. They're saying things like, "I'm. I'm just pulling this from uh, USA Today article, saying the same stuff." Uh, quote. I found plenty of information about using RNA sequencing in the feed and dealing with chickens that this could be potentially it. Uh, and they, the the there's a narrator on this TikTok, and you see screenshots of very scientific looking studies on the feed, but that doesn't matter at all. Uh, <laughs> the issue is. RNA is not an ingredient in chicken feed, and it doesn't need to be. If you wanted to inject RNA into chickens, you would be in the cat bird seat because RNA is is already in chickens.
5: Well, I think it's more to modify, right? Right, the mRNA so, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think there's just some disconnect in understanding here, mm-hmm. um, in people who are, you know postulating that this is what's happening but I think there's also a disconnect in how it's being explained because yes RNA is in everything DNA is in everything but modifying it is a new technology that has emerged and you know I I don't know it does freak me out a little bit same I'm not saying I'm not saying this theory is true about the feed you know changing the chicken somehow but I think uh, sometimes it's being downplayed so hard by people who are like no it doesn't work that way they're kind of like not necessarily in this uh post but I, I don't. I don't want to make anyone feel dumb for not understanding the same way that I don't understand. No, no, Does that no, no, make no. sense? Like, I, I it's,
0: think it's it's a, it's a general lack of understanding, and also when we have this kind of stuff that's fast tracked, and I know it's not new technology, but we've yet to have enough time to truly see the implications of, of, of jamming this stuff into our necks. You know, I mean that's the, the case with a lot of this kind of thing that you know we won't truly see the big picture. Um, uh, results perhaps for, for many, many years. And, you know, they say there are none, but therein lies another example of trying to be, you know, thoughtfully skeptical. Right.
4: Exactly. And, and, you know, I, I appreciate these points because one of the things I looked into about this with none of us being geneticists folks, candidly is I said, all right, well, we know that there is some sort of regulatory body at least in the United States, for this kind of this kind of stuff, uh, and we know that oftentimes in the past they've been cartoonishly crooked and easily corrupted. Uh, that's why so many of the words on the front of your cereal boxes don't mean dick. Um, but, uh, so, so I looked into this, um, and there are approved ingredients for commercial feed synthetic rna which is i what i think we're talking about right lab lab uh modified rna that could change uh change what the chickens do biologically that is not an approved ingredient for commercial feed but then again knowing how crooked these institutions have been in the past or how misled they have been right uh It's easy to understand why people might say, Well, how much do you trust, or how much trust can you put in this? And again, this is not a ding on the USDA or the FDA. Uh, There are tons of people who are getting vastly underpaid to do their absolute best. uh, And it just happens that it just happens to be the case that in the past, very large financial interests have screwed over the consumer through those regulatory bodies those those are simply facts they conspired to do so it's not a theory so you you see why uh we have a hard time trusting this but also it just seems like the the science there would have to be proven or the suppositions would have to be proven and i want to point out the x the the thing we always have to say about sources if you already are convinced something's up are you going to believe this angry blog post by the American feed industry association (laughs) of all people. After we just dunked on the weird, weird practice of trade groups, putting out commercials for themselves. Like you can see why it'd be tough to trust it, you know? And the, in this, in this post, and again, not a ding on the writer who is doing, nor on the experts that uh, she's consulting. Victoria Brome is talking with an animal nutritionist named Paul Davis. And Paul Davis uh, also works, also as a colleague, he works with the uh, AFIA and talks about some of these concerns and brought up some stuff where they talk about the interrelated field of variables that could affect these things. And from Davis, we find a blog post from a guy named Jason Lusk, which Points out a kind an economic answer and ask the question that I think haunts everybody here: How can a small ish reduction in the uh, supply of eggs have such a big impact on the price of eggs? Those prices, to be clear, increased sixty percent. And Lusk's answer is that the demand is inelastic, meaning there aren't great substitutes for eggs. And people still buy eggs even when prices rise. So it takes a big increase for customers to cut back because people are, again, so used to eggs. But I got to say, that answer, it's dry. It's as dry as overcooked (laughs) scrambled eggs. Uh, And sometimes dry answers are the truth. But it feels like there's something to the concept of price gouging here. Just because, and I I know we're going long, we need to wrap this up, but so many companies have successfully gouged prices and they didn't step them back when things started to return to normalcy. You know what I mean? Gas prices, that's a great example.
5: Yeah, no, the price of gasoline does make sense there when it comes to how eggs have continued to be expensive. But it does, I don't know, It feels like something else is is going on because I would have to believe that there's such this large number of people reporting on social media about their chickens not laying eggs all of a sudden and then changing the feed and now they're laying eggs again. I'd have to believe they're all lying. But isn't there?
0: Um, aren't there also other conditions that, that, like you know, don't chickens have to be kind of comfortable uh, to lay right. eggs? Like maybe, yes. maybe there's something to do with like climate variations and thing, other conditional changes that aren't necessarily to do with their nutrition that could be causing some of these shortages. There's, stress, there's been extreme cold,
4: right? but uh, yeah, stress, temperature um even even changes in the chickens around them, right? Mm-hmm. Uh there there are all sorts of factors that can enter or variables that can intervene here. But also the another danger of social media that we don't talk about too too often is that social media is a dopamine casino that is entirely based on getting attention. And so it is also it's not only it's not only plausible but it's almost certain that at least a few people kind of played up some stuff.
5: It's like a trending uh, topic, or video, or sound, or one of those things. Uh, we're we're learning about this a lot right we're now. Learning, right.
4: Yeah, we're we're cooking live on these, uh, and I I don't even like saying that. It does have to be said, but I don't like saying it because it sounds dangerously close to dismissing. People who are giving the, a genuine account of their experience. That's not what we're doing. We're not saying everybody is a clout chaser. We're just saying you have to be conscious of the dangers and pitfalls of social media, right? But there does, I, I mean, it is inescapable. Uh, the, the inflationary forces affecting eggs are real, Uh, The question is what, I I think the question is what kind of conspiracy is at play? And maybe this is something our fellow conspiracy realists can help us out with. Do you own eggs? Uh, (laughs) sorry
0: that's the new flex hey baby i own some eggs check out my egg collection (laughs) yeah but definitely let us know about your egg collection do you got any golden ones perhaps some uh, fabergé varietals Uh, yeah uh, you can find us on the internet where we are conspiracy stuff on facebook twitter and youtube conspiracy stuff show on instagram and uh, tickety talk
5: we also have a phone number, one eight three three S T D W Y T K. Put it into your phone as a contact right now. That way you'll know if one of us gives you a call back one day. Uh, when you do call in to leave a voicemail, give yourself a cool nickname. We don't care what it is. You've got three minutes to say whatever you want, as long as you remember to say whether or not we can use your voice and name on the air or in our podcast, however it gets to you. If you don't want to call or if you've got more to say than can fit in that three minutes, why not instead send us a good old-fashioned email?
4: We are Conspiracy at IHeartRadio.com.
5: Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed
0: business reporters around the world.
2: We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. Every afternoon.